Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Welcome to the 218th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nenhauser, and we are here to talk to you about your Seattle Seahawks in what has been a uh, adventurous season to date, and surely will be uh, continuing that trend as we head into the weekend against the powerhouse Detroit Lions. Ah, yes, for those of you that are listening and not watching you, you you're not getting the full experience here with uh with nathan but uh let me bring in the crew we've got kind of the og not the og og crew but the og crew for real hawk talk tonight we're giving dana a night off the hardest working woman in seahawks podcasting uh so we've got the fellas uh starting off with cody barton stan also known as nathan ernst at nathan e11 how you doing, big fella? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, you know, the Seahawks have been just north of nauseating uh, as a football team, but I'm looking forward to talking with all of you, and I'm looking forward to actually talking about the team. There's some interesting aspects to get into. So I'm looking forward to just listening to your voice for the next hour. Yeah, well, you know, you get shamed by the people in the uh, in the chat. They're like, you're too quiet, you're too loud, you know. And so I, I'm here to try to 
to adjust. Does the Dude, does the chat know? Do they recognize the audio difference that's coming from your mic? Because that's what I was referencing. Is your voice I, just sounds so good right now? I'm so happy to hear that. That's very nice of you to say. Uh, it clearly has been a, had been doctored because that's not how my voice normally would sound. But, uh, dude, that's Evan Hill at Evan HB on Twitter. And he's been he's been a little absent, been under the weather. We're very happy to have you back, man. How are you feeling? I am. I'm doing well. It's uh, the Seahawks season has felt like a blur to start. I can't believe we're already entering week four. You feel like you look forward to football for so long, all off season, And then the first few weeks just go by like that. So happy to be here. Excited to, excited to break down this game tonight. Cool. And, and last but never least, our uh, brother from the North, Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, it's good to see you. You've been uh, busy as well, so we haven't had as much of your, uh, your expert advice and analysis. So uh, how's life in C- Canada? Yeah, it's all right. I was hoping we'd get a playoff series in baseball, but it th- doesn't look like that's going to happen for uh, no Jays Mariners playoff series. But I've been all right. Uh, yeah, I haven't been uh, on the podcast for a while, it seems. And maybe it's better for that. Uh, last week, I just didn't really care to talk about the team. So, but, you know, kind of what Evan said, like, it's kind of weird that it's week four already. Like, I feel like nothing has happened. Yes. Yeah. So since Nathan braved the postgame show, I think either by himself or mostly by himself, uh, we should we should talk a little bit about the game that was before we talk about the game that is coming up. And I mean, let's let's kind of go round round Robin here. What's the state of the Seahawks relative to where you expected them to be, where you want them to be? What's kind of sticking out? And, and Jeff, I'm going to start with you on that one. So we'll start a high, high level. It's pretty s- consistent with what I thought this year would be. I thought they'd be in line for a top 10, top five pick. I thought their talent issue would be, and I thought some of the younger players on the team would be exciting. But if you've got to dive deeper into this, and I sort of wrote this to us this week, the actual games have gone completely different than I would have thought. I thought this year the defense would be competent enough to keep them in the games and the offense would be very unwatchable. I just had such little expectation for the quarterback. And I, I've been completely backwards on that. I've actually enjoyed watching Gino quite a bit. Like he's been fun. I have, maybe it's because I had such little expectation of him, but, and on the other hand, the defense has been just as bad as you can imagine. It's been unwatchable. It's been hopeless it's been painful. So, and you really got to evaluate where there are from a talent standpoint, because a lot of us thought that was one of the parts of the team that would be a strength. So high level, they sort of look like they're in line for our top five pick, but if you dive in a little deeper, there's, there's more concerns than I would have guessed, especially defensively. Evan, did the Seahawks make you sick? Is that, is that possible? Watching the Seahawks defense made me sick. I mean, it's not a, it's not an implausible theory to be honest, because they've been pretty nauseating. Like it's been pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I think we've done we've talked a lot about it in our group chat. I think I think the offense has been uh, pretty impressive relative to expectations through through three weeks. They are certainly not um, the issue on this team. I think moving forward, if you were to switch Gino, you know, with a, with a rookie quarterback next year, I'd be excited about the prospects of the offense. I think we have decent weapons. I I liked what we saw from Kenneth Walker 
um, this, this past Sunday, uh, you know, the offensive line, the two rookie tackles look really good. So I think there's some pieces on the offense, but I think the, the main storyline so far is just how pitiful this defense is. You know, we're really going on year five now of suboptimal defensive results. And it feels like every single year we're discussing the exact same storyline of through eight weeks, Seattle's defense is on track to be one of the worst in NFL history. And then even there were quotes from P Carroll today where it's like, Oh, you know, we're working on a second half turnaround. And it's just like this same old defensive trajectory every single year is just getting really old. And if this team wants to compete and contend in the next few years, there has to be, there has to be progress defensively. Where's Daryl Taylor. Uh, Jordan Brooks has been okay, but I don't think he's the star that, that we need him to be. Um, I do like what we've seen from Tariq Woolen, but, uh, man, where's Puna Ford? Where's Al Woods? Where's Quentin Jefferson? Actually, Q Jeff did have a sack, I think on Sunday. So I'm going to take that one back, but I I think overall defensively, it's just, uh, really disappointing and and really depressing, frankly. So that's kind of where my head's at. Nathan, Nathan, uh, Quandre Diggs used to play for the Lions mm-hmm. and now he plays for the Seahawks. Correct. Which team do you think he wishes he was on <laughs> right now? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I mean, probably Detroit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Would, would anyone have guessed that when that trade was made? Well, I mean, he. On the whole, I think he's probably happy with uh, how it's all shaken out. But if he could trade spots this year, I bet it'd be a tough, tough choice. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, sorry <laughs> that like it really struck me today as I was reading his quotes, and I was like, "Oh man, that guy's got to be thinking, crap. Uh, how did I end up on this side of the situation again?" Uh, I, I don't know that we need to be crowning the uh, lions quite yet. Like they're. Uh, they're a ways away still from being anything that anyone's trying to run after and, you know, jump on the bag wagon for us. So I think that trajectory is positive though. What do you say? Yeah. 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 I think it's less about, it's less about the lions. It's more about the Seahawks. Like he's on a team that is looking pretty bad (laughs) and he's been there before. Was he on the winless lions team? No, no, I don't think he was. No. Okay. No, that, that was like 2008. Does Seattle get blown out on Sunday? Let's talk about it. I mean, we won't, we won't get to predictions yet, but like. Yeah, sorry to jump the gun. No, no, no. That's, who cares, man? Let's talk Seahawks. Let's talk wherever it goes. So I when I did my tail of the tape this morning, one of the things I was a little shocked by was that the Seahawks defense is not dead last in like every category. In <laughs> fact, there what? are like, there's like, eight teams below them in a number of categories, eight teams. Like, it's like, how can that be possible? Um, And one of the teams that is below them in a lot of categories is the Detroit lions. Uh, This is the worst defense from a uh, points allowed perspective in the NFL. And I don't know about you guys, but I thought the Seahawks offense looked more than competent last week. I thought it looked good. Um, could have been great, but I thought it looked really good. So the Lions defense ranked 32nd 
in points allowed, 28th in yards allowed, 23rd in yards per play, 24th in third down defense, 32nd in red zone defense, 27th in rush yards against, 27th in yards per rush. Like, it's not a great defense. So It, it was a bad defense last year, and <clears throat> they, they obviously – uh have some things happening on defense and the trajectory there there's some promise but you know they didn't do anything that's gonna, that was going to cure it overnight so that's why yeah the offense is pretty exciting monster uh brown is is fun um you know james and williams will be fun um swift is fun uh they have some injuries that are, are worrisome on that front but like you know, it's still a team with a very bad defense and Jared Goff at quarterback. So I, I think we're getting a little too excited about where the Lions are today. Yeah, Jeff, have you seen – I mean, the Lions have had an interesting season so far. Yeah. I mean, they lost by three points to the Eagles. You know, they had they had this game last week uh, over the Vikings in hand and then gave up a score at the end of the game to lose. So, like, how, what do you think of this Lions team? Yeah, I've watched all three of their games this year. They've been really fun games for whatever reason. And their offensive line is probably top two in the league behind the Eagles. They're really, really? good up front. Yeah, they're really, really good up front. They are just blowing teams off the ball. And if you watch Swift and Jamal Williams, they have Sewell and Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow's an all-pro level setter. He's hurt. The Seahawks are catching them at a good time. St. Brown might not play. DeAndre Swift might not play. I think two of their offensive line might be missing, but they're really just talented offensively. St. Brown has been a really good player, but when he got hurt last game, their offense sort of tanked and his ability to get open is like very similar to Cooper cup, but defensively it's exactly what Nathan said. They got Aiden Hutchinson in the draft last year, but outside of him, they really don't have any like difference making players. And we're seeing that in Seattle right now. When you don't have those guys, it's really just really hard to play defense. They have a corner who was drafted in the top five a couple of years ago. He's starting to emerge a little bit, but really, if you look at their defense, it's just sort of, it's just sort of guys. And if Seattle plays good offense, like they did the last few weeks, I don't think it'll be a blow just because of their personnel issues, but they're sort of just like a better version of what Seattle is right now. And just with better offensive line, uh, Jared Goff, we know what he is. He's fine when he gets no pressure. When he gets pressure, he makes huge mistakes. And they've been back and forth games where really there's just been no defense and they can score quickly. I think one of the big storylines this week is how injury decimated the Lions are. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw the injury report today on the Lions side. Seven of 11 of their offensive starters did not practice. That's their top three wide receivers, their top running back, DeAndre Swift, their top tight end, and two starters on the offensive line. So that's Jackson, Ragno, Hawkinson, Swift, St. Brown, Chark, and Josh Reynolds. So Jamal Williams may get the start for Lions at, at, at tailback, but oh, Swift, Swift's not going to play. Swift's that, not going to okay. play. I thought, <clears throat> I'm surprised. I thought he's going to be out for a few weeks. It was the, yeah, one. I think they have a bye coming up and he's got a separated shoulder or something like that. Is that what, holy shit, that's the injury. St. Brown messed up his ankle and, He's a guy whose whole game is quickness. And yeah. he's a big part of their – if he's not there, their offense looks a lot different. It's like sort of taking Cup out of the Rams offense. It's that same kind of player. Well, and Chris Board, uh, linebacker, has been one of their one of their more dependable defensive players, and he didn't practice today either. 
so that's interesting. Um, let's talk about the Seahawks though for a second. So, I mean, we all talked about how the offensive line was maybe the the thing that we were most focused on heading into the season. What's your grade through three games? Uh, and, and give it, I, I'd love to hear like grade for the overall offensive line, and then what's your grade for the uh, the rookie tackles? Um, Evan, let's start with you. I'd probably say like a B minus overall, and maybe that's lower than people expected, but um, Gabe Jackson has actually struggled a lot. Um, Blythe hasn't been that great. Um, uh, You know, there's been some rotations with injuries at the other guard position, but I think the star of the offensive line actually so far, people want to say it's Abe Lucas and Abe Lucas has played really well, but Charles Cross is slowly progressing every single game. And, you know, that's a hard position to play. You're, you're defending against premium pass rushers on that side. Um, I, I think right now I'd give them a B minus with, with the potential to increase that over time. But to me, a B minus is super exciting. So that's where I'd grade them at. Uh, Nathan, how about you? I mean, if we're talking about like how good are they today at like a C plus or, or something like that, probably. Um if you're talking about like how excited should we be about Lucas and Cross and and all that, um, I mean that's still an an A, right? Like they are uh, on an awesome trajectory. So um, you know there was there's been some hit and miss, um, but as far as those two concerns, I think it's really you know uh, the the upside is all right there. Um, though one guy that should be really kind of coming into his own probably. And I know he had the ankle injury and everything, but Damian Lewis continues to be a pretty big disappointment. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, I look at this line and I think about the teams that they've faced and Denver so far has been a pretty good defense. Uh, We've seen Chubb has been a pretty good pass rusher, kind of reinvigorated after some of his injuries. They played San Francisco, who's also a, a really good defense. And then they played the Falcons, who are an awful defense. And I think that they've, in general, achieved at least what I would have expected. I'd be like a B relative to expectations. And I'm probably B plus A minus for where the, the rookies are. Um, Cross is felt like he hasn't quite been exactly what I'd hoped for so far, but he's, I think he's doing pretty well. So I'm kind of curious where, where you are. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting mix. Nathan pretty much gave the grades that I would give and it'd be similar. I think cross and Lucas, I thought they would struggle out of this gate. I know we've talked about how hard it is for rookie tackles in their first year. And I saw the lineup of pass rushers. I've been kind of blown away with how comfortable they've looked and some of the advanced metrics on them against that Niners team. And like you saw that stat against Lucas where I don't think he's given up a sack this year. So I, you couldn't be more encouraged for me about the state of the tackles, but the guard play has been really disappointing. And we, we talked about that in the preseason as like a real strength of this group. And Damian Lewis has been hurt and hasn't been great as a pass protector. Phil Haynes played pretty poorly in his starts and Gabe Jackson, who a guy I advocated against playing this year, because I don't think he fits the status of the team. He's been terrible. He was absolutely awful in San Francisco. And that's been really disappointing. Austin Blythe, I think, is fine. He's not a good player, but he's a stopgap to help transition your rookie tackles. He is what he is. I have no problem with him if you need to upgrade. But really, 
you're hoping to come out of this year with maybe three or four long-term players, but the guard play's been really disappointing. And on the other side, the tackles have been pretty damn good. So it's tough to kind of give it a higher grade than a C plus because of how bad the interior line's been. But again, I've been really encouraged by how comfortable Lucas and Cross look because I thought there would be a big learning curve. So but, I have a trivia question for uh, yeah. for everybody. <clears throat> uh, the two and one uh, Cleveland Browns, they are second overall in rush offense by DVOA. Uh, can anyone name their starting center? Ethan played. Correct. Yep. Ethan. Yeah, he's, he's had good grades this year. Yeah, he's he might he might actually be good. I don't just want to in talk time. About that. That's an awesome offensive line. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think you just I, <laughs> No, I'm just here's the thing is is like I'm looking at this line and I'm saying right now with what we know, I think there's I think it's projectable and likely that the offensive tackles are going to be starters for a long time. Now could crash and burn, but like we've already had three weeks of, of time plus preseason doesn't look like they're going to be disasters. I don't know if we know if like Charles cross is going to be an all pro one of the best left tackles. I don't think he's shown that yet, or we can really be sure about that. Abe Lucas to me, looks like he's on a trajectory where a pro bowl level right tackle is not out of the question for, for what he's started as. Um, and if we just get those two and everything else is trash, where are we? That's kind of the question with my, in my head, like it's like a poker hand, right? You got five, you got five cards, two of them. You're going to keep three of them. You're maybe going to have to to trade out is like, how is that going to affect our, like our evolution as a football team? Um, how big of a problem is that? And how much do we need at least one more player? to 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 hit this year well automatically two of the five are not going to hit jackson's not going to be on the team next year based on his contract and blythe i think is a stopgap. so i think you're really hoping that one of those two guards can solidify himself right phil haynes or damian lewis is that what you're talking about yeah i don't know how important it is that they hit though like I mean, one of the things that we keep talking talking about is how, you know, having a, a rookie quarterback on a, you know, and on the rookie contract and all that, how huge of an advantage it is. So they don't have to hit everything through draft picks, right? Um, if they can nail the quarterback pick and they have that guy on a rookie contract, then they're going to have cap space to spread around, right? And so they, they could find a free agent guard or something like that, something more of a sure thing. So I don't think it... I mean, if they come out of the season with two above average offensive tackles with like pro bowl or all pro potential they're, I think, you know, well on their way from that perspective, from an offensive line perspective. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think you're, I really, really was hoping like for them to have at least one young guard that, that you could not, you wouldn't have to like trade out. And that's part of why I just, to Jeff's point, I I'm confused about this Gabe Jackson thing. Like he's not played to the level where he's 
just a fixture and he's not going to be with you long term. And this is where it gets hard and frustrating from a coaching perspective with Pete is, or one of the places, like it's obvious this team is not contending for anything this year. Like even in the best case scenario, this team is contending for nothing this year. So you just signed Phil Haynes for, for a year. And this is not a, like a Phil Haynes, my normal Phil Haynes pounding the table. This is just like play the younger guy, play the guy that you might want to sign for a longer term deal. Um, who, by the way, also I think has been better than Gabe Jackson. Uh, he's been, had his own problems, but he's been better than Gabe Jackson. They, they don't, they don't seem to have a super clear strategy on youngsters versus vets right now. Um, you know, you still have Gabe Jackson starting, but then Sidney Jones can't get on the field, right? Uh, and, and yeah. is Coleman hurt? I, I still haven't figured that yeah, one Coleman's out. Coleman's hurt. Oh, he is hurt. Okay. But yeah, so so Sidney Jones is a healthy scratch, though, and you're playing like an undrafted free agent and a six-round pick that you didn't draft. Um, so it's it's kind of weird. They're a little they're a little all over the place. You know, Goodwin's getting snaps over Eskridge, which, you know probably for good reason but also like you know going back to your point like you know this should probably be a youth movement at some point pretty soon not just goodwin penny hart yeah yeah that too penny hart is getting snaps of d eskridge that's what the hell right he's a bust like you can't get on the field and he's healthy can't even return punts yeah that's weird like, the, the, like it's one thing if you're like, hey, this guy's an injury risk and we're worried about him out there. You're not even playing him as a receiver. So, like, if he gets injured returning punts, like, it's not a big loss to the offense. What did he do? Like, is there any word on this? Is he just bad? Or has he, like, done something to anger the coaching gods? I think he's just behind from a mental standpoint. And he missed all of camp again. And he had trouble picking up things last year. And I think they just don't trust him to do the right thing right now. And you know how Pete and his staff get with some of that stuff. And Well, the other problem is it seems like they'd rather do some of the stuff that they were doing with him with Walker, which makes sense, right? So, like, you saw Walker getting uh, the uh, end around or whatever. And I think, you know, if Walker wasn't on the team, that probably goes to Eskridge. So, you know, he's a backup in that respect now, too. Yeah. It's it's tough, and we'll see it this week. But like we talked about the offensive line, and we talked about the Creed Humphrey thing so much. But like Amon Ross St. Brown went around after Eskridge. Like he is the exact kind of player that this offense needs. It's just such a frustrating. <laughs> I know it's easy to do that. You can do that with any draft pick, but oh man, that, that pick was just completely botched. So we're getting into our normal state of uh bitching and moaning about. <laughs> why this team is doing stupid things. So let's, let's pull ourselves out of it for a second. Um, the offense is a place where there's been some positives. Um, and we've talked about the line a little bit, Geno Smith, you know, he's not your long-term solution, but I'm kind of curious, you, uh, Jeff, you started, I want to, I want to ask you a little bit more about this. You said Geno has been watchable. Say more about that. Like, cause I agree. Like I, I've been surprised how much I've actually enjoyed watching him run the offense. I'm curious what about him stands out to you. Yeah. Not only has he been watchable, he's been weirdly fun to watch. And maybe it's just coming out of Russell and some of the things that we just couldn't do last year. And the kind of, I've been just 
kind of stunned at some of the throws he's made and how decisive he's been. Like there was that throw on the sideline on third down to Metcalf. I think it was the first drive, the first third down of the game. That was like an all-pro level throw. And obviously, Gino does have limitations. We see it in the second half of games. But a lot of the stuff they do is just like throwing a tight end in the middle of the field and the amount of things, that, how decisive he, he was. just And how this week they talked about how they were going to open up the offense. And some of those drives in the first half, just he was so in command. And he was making good throws. And a lot of the advanced metrics, it's not just the eyes. Like they have him as a top 15, top 10 quarterback this year. And I, I had such low expectations of him just from watching him last year and watching him in the preseason. I've been like genuinely surprised at how smooth and how comfortable. And I think Sherman tweeted out like he's definitely improved on a lot of things he was pretty bad at. We still see that he's not great in the red zone. He's not great in the second half of the fourth quarters, but early in games, he's been really, so he's used different weapons and the offense has been like weirdly fun to watch at times, which I thought it was going to be a tire fire this year. Evan, you remember last year when when Russ got hurt, right? And <laughs> there was curiosity about what Gino is going to look like. He came into that Rams game and actually like lifted the offense for the period, like at least initially, and threw the touchdown to DK Metcalf and was looking pretty good. And then he was pretty mad. I mean, he had a great game against Jacksonville, but it was easily dismissed because it was Jacksonville. I can't help but wonder, like, if we had this version of Geno for the starts that he had, and then for maybe the three starts after Russell got back, like the Green Bay game, yeah, the, sure. the Washington game, I think the season would have been different. Oh, I'm in strong agreement on this. I, I think we were, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but a year ago, we were all universally, I'm pretty sure, on our team arguing that Russell rushing to return hurt the team. Like without question, I re- I went to that Green Bay game and I remember That's right. he, he did not look healthy. <laughs> that motherfucker should have been in the hospital. That The fact that he played was absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I don't know if the season would have changed too tremendously differently, um, but man, Russell probably would have looked better if he had waited another three or four weeks. I don't know. Maybe it ends differently, but yeah, there's no disagreement from me there. Yeah. I mean, that's where I think like Russell's ego plays like a legitimate like negative to him is like, he needs to know when to like rest <laughs> and recognize his own limitations. Well, I mean, he, he's had, and he's, he's had what's maybe like the worst three game stretch in a regular season in his career. I mean, it, it's, it's up there. Um, <laughs> it's such a bummer they didn't lose on Sunday night. Oh, so oh my god! Oh, I didn't watch a second of that game. I was I was busy doing That's something cool. else. But yeah. like uh, when I saw the score, I'm like, really? Was that like a scoreagami? No, yeah. it wasn't. It, well, it wasn't it super close, Nathan. I know you're a scoreagami person. Wasn't it like one point off on on the Broncos side or something? Uh, I don't know. I, it was I eleven didn't... to ten. I think twelve to ten. Would have been a scoregami or something like that. I don't know, Eleven to no, 10 wait, is a twelve weird score. definitely happened. Wait, twelve yeah, to 12 ten seems more possible. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, ten to eight or something. I want to say that there was eleven to ten game like fifteen years ago or something like. No, that. there was. They said it was the second time it happened. Yeah. Okay, so it is. It is not common. At least I, 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 I'm right to ask. But 
weird i mean weird 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 that that that's all going on um i mean as much as i was kind of curious how that was going to all play out my worst case scenario for russell was not was maybe the, like the first week of the season where he was putting up a lot of yards looking decent and then maybe not scoring points and not succeeding as much <laughs> ironically he's played two shit games and won those two uh and lost well, the one he... where he probably played his best game that's why he went to Denver because he doesn't have to carry the whole team. Himself, so. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what are we looking for? Like what, what is your favorite part of this team right now? Like this is not a team you watch cause you want to see them win. Like that's, you have to kind of separate that out. But is, is there Nathan, like, is there a part of the team that you get joy from part of the team that you actually like are enjoying watching or focusing on? Yeah, there's actually, a lot of things um uh i you know the offensive line um gino um those are great uh, dk is still a, fun, a ton of fun to watch um you know there's not as many things on the defense but uh yeah i think there's still lots of things to, to tune in and uh I, I was saying in the post game you know i think this was probably the perfect game for this year right where you know it's fun there's points it's exciting things happen and they lose right and so you know that's why i'm excited for this lions game too right like let's see if they can both put up like 30 points and hopefully seattle will lose right so hopefully we get a lot of games like that and and this will be you know as far as a tanking season goes it should be pretty fun and pretty enjoyable yeah i mean jeff i don't know about you but you you talked about the Gino stuff i'll just go in a little further I really have enjoyed watching him on third down, him pre-snap and him being willing to throw the ball away, willing to check down pretty much on time, actually involving the tight ends. It's, it's nice to see like there's a variety of, they still can't throw a screen pass to save their life. It's looking more and more like that's a coaching thing than a player thing. Cause Russ looked pretty fine throwing the screen passes last time I saw. Uh, but it's nice because it it feels like he's giving the, the offensive line a chance. And here's the controversial thing I will put out there. I bet I have a pretty good sense that if you got John Schneider in a quiet room and he knew he could cut your tongue out like it was Game of Thrones and you couldn't tell anybody what you did, he would say, yeah, I didn't want to spend on great offensive linemen that were going to be wasted with Russell running outside the pocket. It's crazy as you think that might be. I think that the, I think that in his head that made sense. And the only thing I will say, I think that's a wrong point of view to have personally. But the only thing that I would would back that with is Gino's helping these young tackles develop. He is he is making it easier for them to do their jobs, and that's been kind of fun to watch um, how that's all kind of come together. So. The only thing I really like, I want to see, and I haven't seen it yet. Is I want the running game to get going. Like I want to see more like what we saw at the end last season. I know it won't be that level, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that we see a little bit of that this weekend. I don't know about you, Jeff. Against, against Atlanta, Seattle's rush EPA was higher than the league average dropback EPA per play. Really? Mm-hmm. They're that first drive. They were. They looked fantastic. Shot Penny was. Kicking runs outside. He looked good. Yeah, I think the game kind of got away from them because it became a shootout and they kind of had to play a certain way. But 
I, I keep saying in these games, I actually like to see them run the ball a little more. And like early downs, like when are you hoping that they're doing that? Um, maybe like once they convert a first down and they move to the next series, they, they've been kind of throwing away some early plays where just Penny is able to get chunks and Walker's kind of been all over the place so far, but he's definitely explosive. He keeps, he's done a couple of plays where he's gone the wrong way and screwed things up. But yeah. What'd you think about that? Kenneth Walker, like kickback last week, Brian. That was the first time I saw a play that looked like, okay, there's something there. You know, he, he saw something that may not be what every back sees. He cut back, um, broke a couple tackles, showed some, um, showed some bursts. So that was good. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope he's got more of that coming. Uh, I don't think that that alone has got me like, oh yeah, he's going to be the next great back. I still generally would rather see Rashad Penny carry the ball, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad he showed something. I'm I'm curious. I've, I have two prevailing thoughts just for the first three quarters, first three games of the year this year. The first one is if they got the number one pick right now, are they taking a quarterback? Are they taking a pass rusher? You're a week late on that conversation. I'm happy to have it again. Second question is if all of their good players and long-term pieces are on offense, is Pete Carroll the right guy to move this thing forward? And I read it in your article this week. That's been lingering on my mind all week where really it looks like how far back they are defensively from a personnel standpoint and how good they look offensively long-term if they get a quarterback. Does that make sense? I can't get that thought out of my mind. Well, Pete Carroll is an offensive genius. So, of course, like that's what he's known for. Yeah, I think the answer, well, it, it, it depends on how things play out, though, right? Like if they win seven games with that, then they're not going to get rid of Pete Carroll. But this is this is a question I was kind of posing in our group chat that I think is, is related to this, right? Which is the assumption is the, the choice has been made to keep Pete Carroll and John Schneider. They, they let Russell go. And they've signed extensions just, you know, a year and a half ago, whatever it was. Is there no situation where Pete Carroll could get fired at the end of the season, setting aside like, you know, he commits a terrorist act or something like that. But like, I think, I think it's very plausible that Pete Carroll could get fired after this year. I just think it, 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 it's going to require, I think it's, it's three wins or fewer is my bar. Like, I think, I think it has to be, bad and if you're like if you're at two or one wins i don't see how you keep him i don't care what his contract is i don't care what else is going on so i don't know um jeff when you ask yourself that question what's your what's your what's your mind say like my expectation is they probably sold this as a two-year plan they're probably going to see how all the draft capital is used but i'm right i would be more leaning the other way if i'm watching this team and seeing like evan said the same defensive issues year after year sort of how the rookie head coaches that have come into the league this year the uh mike mcdaniel in miami and we've seen it with brian dable it's just the league is shifting towards that offensive coach and really it has been for a while and even brandon steely who was kind of that hot shot defensive his star is really fading already and just looking at where what they can do and what the best asset of this team is, it's hard for me to think that Pete is really the guy 
that's going to bet the most out of this team, just seeing what Mike McDaniel, for example, has done in Miami, elevating that offense and what it can do for a team. Let so. me let me add some uh, perspective here. I think if Jody Allen makes any move in the next several years at head coach, it's this offseason because of the draft capital that a new regime could work with. Two first-round picks, potentially two very early first-round picks, two early second-round picks. They have a loaded, loaded um, draft slate this year, and that would be very appealing to a new head coach, a new general manager. You know, it, it doesn't make as much sense to make a change two years from now. I, I think at the end of the season, Jody has to be completely and fully confident in the in the in the trajectory and direction that P. Carroll's taking this team. And if she's not, I think you've got to be willing to to make a change. I think you I think you're spot on. I, I really do, because from an ownership perspective, you know that you're not gonna get like you don't get two two first round picks very often. And you definitely don't get two first round picks and two second round picks in the same draft very often. And if your coach who you're not sure of is making those picks, they're making those picks based off the scheme that the coach wants, based off of the way that they scout, all those kinds of things. So one, it's just, it's just throwing good money after bad and, and it sets your franchise back potentially many years Two, to your point, it makes the job much more appealing for someone to come in knowing that they can get an infusion of four high picks right away. So I don't think this is like a rubber stamp. And I think Derek in our group chat had said like, well, if they were to fire him after one year that they kept him like post Russell, then that would be really lack of foresight on their, on their behalf. And I I can kind of get that, but like, I understood the logic of, okay, you're rebuilding, you're going to the draft, you got to nail this draft. And I think they probably did a pretty good job with it. I don't know that many of the guys that they got are super scheme specific. Maybe like a boy, Mafe might be scheme specific. I don't know, but Charles Cross and Abe Lucas are, I think they can play in any offense that you want to run. So um, yeah, I, I, I think Pete's got to win some games and, and, Maybe as importantly, I think they have to finish not exactly the way they finished last year, but I think there has to be a clear narrative that people are getting better, that the team's getting better, and that you can see the progression. Let's they're, say they're like not good and they're not winning at the end of the year. Let me I, pose a hypothetical situation for you, Brian. Yeah. Let's say Seattle's defense continues to stink. Okay. And they're like bottom 10 in the NFL. Let's say they win six games. They muster out six. Is Pete Carroll staying? They win six games. They win six games. How do they finish the season? Their last four games. What's their record? Let's say they finish it out three and one. Oh, he stays. You think so? So it's really about that narrative around finishing the season. You think? I think six games plus how they finish the year. If they're looking like they're on an upswing, um, like they still, they put a lot of money into him and they're going to have to pay him a lot of money to not work for them. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that, I don't think it's like a 50, 50 chance, which is kind of what you're getting at. That's, that's the scenario to me where it'd be like, he has to earn it to stay. I think it's more like if it's clearly not going in the right direction, he's gone. 
and I just don't, I don't think enough people are talking about that. I think people just assume he's safe. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think yeah. it probably depends a lot on how he sold this year to ownership. If he told them, Hey man, we're the 1972 dolphins or whatever it was. He, he said in that, uh, I will never get over that. Uh, I will never that, that could, that could be a big problem for him. If they turn around, and they win three or four games. Um, but if he told them, Hey, look, you know, this defense is going to be a struggle. We're going to bring in a bunch of new coaches. It's going to be a learning curve. And, you know, we think that Gino is uh, a lot better than people think. And so this could be, there could be some chance in this year, but we'll probably be bad and we'll pick high and then we'll, you know, build it from there. Uh, I think he's probably safe even if they win two games. Right. So if I, if I was Jody, I would, pay a lot of attention to what he said this year was going to be. And if it was way off base, then that would make me very concerned. You know, even if they do end up with like four or five wins, if he was talking like, Hey, I think we got to try to playoffs, which only a moron would say, uh, then, you know, I think, I think he's in trouble. Well, let me ask you, Nathan. So, so let's Pete's not a guy that can be like, we're going to lose. I don't, I don't, I just don't believe in any, any situation. He's going to say that, but let's say he says like, yeah, Give me two years. Give me two years. We're going to trade Russell. We're going to turn what Russell was, you know, in draft capital into your next championship team. And that's his statement. And then they come out this year and they win three games. And they have players like Quandre Diggs after every game saying, yeah, we just suck. Like, we're terrible. And it ends the year that way. And the defense is bottom 10, maybe bottom five. So it's not two years yet. Do you think, do you think that Jody's like, okay, I said two years. I mean, if, if Pete is fighting for his life here, I mean, he can, he can point and he can say, we've got DK, we got Tyler, we got two promising tackles. We have Tariq Woolen. We have Jordan Brooks. Jamal Adams will come back. That was a huge hit to us this year. So we have the building blocks. It didn't work out. We had problems, you know, with learning the scheme on defense and yada, yada. Uh, but we have the building blocks. We have a great bridge quarterback so that even if the guy we draft, the quarterback we draft isn't ready day one, we know we can go into the year with Gino and he'll play okay. And even he could give us an outside shot at the playoffs. Um, I don't know. Is Jody really that? that anxious to make a change maybe i mean it's definitely a, a pivot moment for the franchise and if you stick with pete for one more year you're really sticking with him for at least a few more probably um but yeah i think that again depending on what he sold everyone on about this team i think there's enough here for him to point at and say yeah the year sucked we lost a bunch of games but here are the pieces that we're moving forward with all right i want i want percentage odds from each of you right now week three and we will going into week four right what are the percentage odds that pete carroll is the seahawks coach next year evan what's your number you know having this conversation with you guys you guys have really talked me into him potentially getting fired and particularly you brian that's your number i'm i'm going they're gonna lose a fuck ton of games this year and i think there's a Greater than 50%. I'm going 60% chance he gets fired. Okay. So 40% chance that he's the coach next year. Yeah. Right. Okay. Jeff, what's your number? I'm probably, I'm probably 85% chance he's the coach next year. 
Um, I think it came out this week. I think Jim Mercer said that the sale target is 2024. I think that's a number that is going to be really important for how much money they want to add to the books. Do they want to be paying three coaches at once? So unless things really fall apart, and I think Brian and Evan have made a good case. It's something I truly hope kind of does happen, but I think just that 2024 number is really important. So I, I think it's pretty unlikely. Nathan, what's your number? Oh, I agree with Jeff. I'm like 85, 90%. Okay. Um, I'm at 50. I know that's a shitty number. So I'll go towards 55, like uh, more likely that he's back than not. But it's not just the issues that we've brought up. I think Pete for the first time is showing his age. And, And that's been a controversial conversation among this group. I think a lot of you fuckers are ageist bastards, especially you, Evan. Uh, but I haven't cared how old Pete is. There's a lot of old coaches and they've done just fine. Uh, I'm seeing Pete do things that are against his philosophy. He's talked about games like the first game being more important than other games for the first time in a decade of him being here. He, as after the, the Falcons game, the conversation about the fourth down when they didn't go for it, like we were going to go for it. And then they call a timeout and then they put the field goal unit on. And he was asked afterwards, why did you do that? And he just fumbled around. He couldn't find words. He didn't have any confidence in his answer. He's pretty pretty much done that for 10 years. I was like, I think he's done that forever. (laughs) I don't think so. At least like, that's not my interpretation of it. Like I know. know Pete's like, mannerisms and his his like sayings that he does and his his what he thinks are clever ways around those tough questions he was flummoxed he didn't know how to answer that question and he just didn't really answer it so i don't know i i think that that plus seeing these these fissures coming out in the media from veteran players it just feels a little bit like the Jim Mora moment where it's like, is he, is, does he have this locker room? Is he going to be able to keep this locker room through what's going on? And I don't know. So I, I, I mean, I, I have questions. I have questions. One of your team leaders, Quandre Diggs is openly saying we suck. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's like why Diggs is here though in the first place. So that's why. Oh no, totally. <laughs> got rid of him real fast. But it, it, I think it's just a reflection of where guys are at in the locker room mentally. Is it not for one of your team leaders to say that? I think he is He is the team leader. Like, who else is the leader beyond Quandre? Like, Al Woods. And you could say Gino, but I don't know that Gino's done enough to really do that. I think Quandre is your leader. So that is that is rare and weird for a Pete Carroll team to have his veterans out there, basically like Debbie Downering after not just one game, but every week, like since, since week one. So it's just weird. What All right. Sherman we'd be saying though, if he was on this team, right. He'd be saying the same stuff. I think he'd be very critical. Right. And Sherman was doing this stuff after the super bowl and all that. So we we've seen outspoken guys on the defense say this kind of stuff right now. If Al Woods starts saying it right, like, it's one thing if Sherm says it, it's another thing if Cam says it, right? That That's when it's a big deal. So does Tyler Lockett uh, start making noise about things? Now, now uh, my chances that Pete says, you know, plummets. Yeah, we'll see. There's a long way to go. 
All right, let's take some patron questions um, before we get into our predictions. Nathan, if you could hit us with patron questions. Uh, for folks that don't know, uh, give us a like, first of all, on the show. Appreciate that. And click subscribe to get notified and click the bell to get notified when we go live. Go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up, become part of the community. Uh, immediate access to the Slack channel where you get to ask questions that we answer every week on the pod. And uh, Nathan, with that, take it away. Uh, all right, so I'll take the first one here from Gargom. Um, what are your thoughts on Ryan Neal and how he played last year? I thought he had some really good moments when filling in for Jamal. And why do you think he hasn't been given the chance this year? Uh, I think I don't think Josh Jones has been outstanding. No, Josh Jones has been pretty bad. Um, I think we all liked Ryan Neal last year, but the defense has changed quite a bit. For all the talk about a 3-4 and bare fronts and this, that, and the other that they were doing last year and they were going to do this year, um it's it's not really gone the way i think you would have we were we would have predicted so um i think that ryan neal just doesn't have the same role which is why we're not seeing him this year and they probably just think that josh jones is a better fit um does anyone else have a ryan neal opinion on why we're not seeing him out there one thing i'd add is he may or may not be better but he's not a solution right yes um okay uh jeff with sydney jones unable to find the field over woolen and jackson should we cut bait and trade him to a db needy team uh if so what do you think the return would be <laughs> i i don't think you would get a return i think we saw how they acquired him in the first place. We saw him in free agency sign for a pretty cheap deal. I think Sidney Jones sort of is what he is at this point. Um, there's no reason to trade him. I, I think from a depth standpoint, I'm surprised that he hasn't been playing over Jackson. I think Jackson sort of is more of a depth corner than a starter, but Pete seems to like Jackson. I don't think you'd get anything more than like a conditional seventh. So I would not trade him. And frankly, I, I think he should be playing a little more, but Burns is coming back too. And, I don't know. I I don't see any trade return that's worthwhile. What about for Burns? Burns, you could potentially get something for, but he's coming off an injury, and mm-hmm. he again he didn't have much of. I think they signed for a one year, pretty cheap deal. So, what I don't am think I missing on Sidney Jones? Like he played well last year. Yeah, and he's had times throughout his career where he's been a good player and he was a highly thought of prospect that had an injury, but then when he's healthy, he's played well. So I'm like, as someone who was like pushing Mike Jackson as someone I thought was going to make the roster and I was excited about, I, I still am happy that he's getting some snaps, but Sidney Jones is a better cover corner than Mike Jackson. Yeah. So Griff at C Mike Spin Move from Seattle Overload Pod has been saying that Jones last year had issues picking up the defense and he blew coverages. Um, this year, the terminology is all different. Um, and the defense is not just a continuation of what we saw last year. So it's possible that there is a learning curve there. So he may not pick up a playbook as fast as some other players and that may be why he's not playing he also was hurt i mean he was out for a while too because so that could have slowed him down too hmm. and frustrating dj reed's numbers are off the charts right now dj reed ethan posick they let all the good ones get away 
I still don't have any concern about DJ Reed leaving. Like, I would not have wanted to give DJ DJ Reed that money. That's so shocking to me. He's playing so well in New York. Like, is it? Like, is is? Are you talking about from like a roster construction? Like, okay, okay. So you're saying like, I would you if you could go back and redo it? Would you pay DJ or would you pay Diggs? Oh. Probably digs. Because there's a big age difference there. Yeah. Well, is there? I mean, digs is what, 27? No, digs is like 31, I think. Yeah, 31, 32. I think it's 29. Maybe. Is is he that? I think he's like 41, actually. 42. He might be 60. He always has looked older than he is. He's 29. He is 29. He is 29. And DJ Reed is 25. Yeah. So they're actually both younger than I would have guessed. Anyways, speaking of age and speaking of uh, ageism, um, Gar also wants to know, age is something to talk about when drafting a player. Do you look at it the same for the quarterback position? A couple of the guys of interest will be 25 next year. Um, Levis, is it Levis or Levis? I think it's Levis. Levis, the banana, the banana boy from Kentucky and hooker from Tennessee. Um, Does that change your interest level in, in a quarterback? Brian. Since you're age positive. I'm age adjacent. Uh, yeah, it does. It absolutely, it, it affects my evaluation of any prospect. Um, and yes, quarterbacks play can like good ones can play longer, but it also varies based off of what kind of quarterback they are. If you're a quarterback, who's part of your, you know, a big part of your value prop is your athleticism. It, it's a bigger factor. If you're a quarterback who is, you know, uh, a clean pocket passer, who's really good at delivering the ball accurately and on time, not as much of a factor, but it's definitely always, I would always prefer to have a younger prospect, um, you know, in general, especially if you're spending a super high pick. Yeah. There's two aspects of age, right? One is when you're talking about like athleticism will decline. Um, The other thing is to try to age adjust for, like production. So, you know, if you're doing something at 25 that you couldn't do that, you know, you couldn't do at 23, but other 23 year old quarterbacks could do, then, you know, you may look a lot better than you are just because you're overaged. Um, you have like, you know, multiple years more experience against sometimes sophomores in college that you're playing against. So that's one thing to consider. Um, I don't think for for Levis it's as much a concern. Levis is twenty three um, for the record. Oh, is he only twenty three? Yeah. All right. What about um? Is it uh? What, DJ Hooker? Is that his name? What's uh the guys from Tennessee? TJ Hooker was a oh, character know on a cop <laughs> drama in the seventies. If that's what you're talking about, Hendon Hooker. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. He's twenty four, so he will be twenty five next year. Um, okay, last one. Uh, Jay Brandt, Evan, wants to know, why do you think the offense has been so anemic in the second half of games? I know the San Francisco defense is just stifling, but the Denver and Atlanta games, the offense was cooking in the first half and went into the blast chiller in the second half. That's a really good question. Um, one area I would go to is we've been criticizing Pete Carroll in this offense for failing to make proper in-game adjustments for, for years. It may be a symptom of that, but overall, I, I just 
this offense has been encouraging, but I don't think they're so good. I don't think the quarterback is so good that they can put forth like a completely complete game like that. So part of it might just be a skill and talent level issue, but um, I don't have a good answer for that. It's a, it's a concern, but I also don't think it's a reasonable expectation for this team to have. How much would you pay a reporter Curtis Crabtree to ask this question in a Pete Carroll news conference? Hit me. Why do you keep trying to win the game in the first quarter? I want Joe Fan to come back and ask. <laughs> I mean, this is the year to ask it because it sure seems it really, Pete. It really seems like you're trying to win the game in the first. Well, maybe in the second quarter, but I'm pretty sure you should be trying to win it in the fourth quarter. Have you considered trying to win a game oh. in the fourth quarter? <laughs> uh it would be fun um all right well thank you nathan for taking our patron questions and thank patrons for supporting the show uh as everybody knows go to patreon.com slash hawk blogger you can go right over and get into the slack channel right away and uh you're supporting a great cause and joining a really fun community so please go do it and uh if you haven't already click the like button on the show um Couple, couple other quick things before we get into predictions. Is Jordan Brooks gonna be good? Like, I, I've heard there's there's these competing film boys out there saying that he's actually playing well. I'm seeing that guy get blocked time after time after time, and I, don't I love know. the word I, film. I, maybe boys. I had higher expectations for Jordan Brooks than other people, but like. Where are you guys at on Jordan Brooks? I mean, Nathan, I the, oh yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'm friends just, with the film boys. Is that what you're going to say? Wanna, I just want to. I just want to. Before you answer, are you a film boy? Do you count? Do you count yourself as a film boy? I'm a former film boy. I don't okay. film boy as much as I used to. That sounded bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wow! Clip. So, I think the fact that Jordan Brooks is getting blocked so much is not super indicative of Jordan Brooks's play and is more indicative of what the real problem with this team is. And that's that they're getting their ass kicked up front and they are. And I think a lot of that comes back to coaching. Um, uh, yeah. So I, he's not affecting games. I don't know how much you can expect him to with the way the rest of the team is playing, but He's also not making mistakes or he's not the problem. I mean, I, I don't think I've really seen him. I mean, that's not, he's had some missed tackles. He's had a couple of things, but like, I don't, I don't know that, that Brooks is the problem here. He seems to just be fighting for his life out there when the defensive line is getting over him. Can I ask that question in a roundabout way? Has he lived up to his first round draft status? Nathan I say no way on the record Nathan I don't know um I mean he's still got a couple years I think he'll live up to it but he has one year. year one year left this 20... year next year okay. oh yeah yeah, yeah, sure. yeah sure if you count this yes so 2023 is this last year of his rookie deal he's got to step up right I mean if he if he wants to be a because I, he... I think Nathan what Nathan said is absolutely right and it really comes down to the whole positional value conversation. And we talked about it so much. Look around the league. Like there's all that chatter about Patrick Queen when they drafted Brooks and Patrick Queen's been pretty bad. 
And Brooks has been a better player than him. And you, you look at someone like Bobby Wagner. There was so much hubbubaloo about him going to the Rams. And you kind of watch him play, and he's just not impacting games anymore. He's a very sound linebacker. And Brooks, I, I heard KJ talking about Brooks today on the Brock and Salk show. And he, he was saying that, like, the blocking, similar to what Nathan said, the blockings have been so suspect up front. He's been getting kind of eager, and he's been trying to, like, shoot the gun and go after that tackle when it's just not been there. So it's really, really hard to play linebacker when you're not getting help from the front in this scheme. Which again, that's where they were talking on their show about like, well, how do you pay linebackers nowadays then when it's so dependent on other things? And so I don't think Brooks has lived up to that status because he's just not impacting games. And it's sort of what we saw with Bobby. I think it's sort of where the league has gone in general. There's guys like Fred Warner who are rare and can do it, but really it's why you shouldn't draft a linebacker in the first round, an inside non-off-ball linebacker. And I think we're all looking for more splash plays from Brooks, more sideline to sideline impact the game plays but he's just in a defense right now that's giving him no chance to succeed because of guys like Puna and Quinn Jefferson are not really designed to be like those gappers and up front other than Al Woods no one's really helping him so they're sort of leaving him out to dry he's been good in coverage but you're not getting a playmaker in this defense and to me that's just a bad use of a first round pick yeah I mean it's a really hard question because like exactly from a positional value uh, perspective it's probably it was bad probably uh but like if you look at the other linebackers that went in the first round that year isaiah simmons went eight um kenneth murray went a few picks ahead of uh uh brooks and then patrick queen goes after him i think you can probably make a pretty good argument that brooks is the best player of that bunch so in that respect like seattle got a good linebacker probably probably the best linebacker in the class i don't know all the linebackers in this class somebody's going to at me about that later but um but then you can also look and say, well, T. Higgins went like five picks later and Michael Pittman Jr. went right after him. And like you can you can look down the, the list here a little bit and find some guys that you would probably have rather had over him. So um, is he worth the first round pick? I don't know. I don't think it was a terrible pick, um, but there were certainly better ones on the board. All right. Uh, well, the Seahawks are still tied for second place in the NFC West through three weeks. So mm-hmm. take that. Uh, let's go ahead and do our predictions for the show, uh, for the, uh, for the game this week, what is going, who's going to win and what will be the final score of the Seahawks versus the lions? Jeff, I am starting with you. Uh, I think it's going to look a lot like last week. I think the Seahawks are going to make a bit of adjustments defensively, but I think Detroit is really good up front, which goes exactly against what we were just talking about with me and Nathan and how bad Seattle is up front. So I think this game just plays totally into Detroit's strength. I say it is 28 to 24 for Detroit, but it's one of those games where Seattle's chasing the whole game and they're not really in control. So I'll go with Detroit with the win in a game that looks a little closer, but it's not really that close. Nathan, this was a game that I think all of us, well, actually, maybe this wasn't one of the games, all of us picked the same outcome, but there's one, I think it was New Orleans that we all picked them to lose. And it was kind of a mm-hmm. weird one. Anyway, what's your pick on this game? I'm going to go 31-26 Lions. Okay. Evan. The Detroit Lions run game ranks first in yards per carry, third in rushing yards per game, and first in runs of 40-plus yards. 
They're really good. Seattle's run defense is fucking disgusting. Uh, we're going to get hammered. We're going to get plowed. <laughs> like, big time plowed. So, bend over the desk. Get ready to take it because we're going to take it from Jared Goff. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. This is going to be like a – This is good. I could see this being like a 38 uh, – they're one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL, guys. That They're can, like number two. Yeah, yeah. number two. I, I'm going 38 to 21. 38 21. Um, all right. I um uh sorry, I need to get some spam out of the channel. Um <laughs> uh I've basically I, I was one of the ones last week that said the Seahawks were gonna lose to the Falcons. Um that was gonna be one of those moments where it's like, oh, the Falcons are so bad, and then you get into the game and it's like, oh yeah, that's right, we're bad. And I think that kind of showed up, right? I think that the Lions should win this game. I have for whatever reason this this instinct that the Seahawks are going to be better this week against the run, that the Lions injuries are going to be an issue. And that the Seahawks run game might get untracked. And so I'm going to go against even what I felt this morning when I was writing my tail of the tape. I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this game. I'm going to pick them to win it 31 to 24. Okay. 31 to 24 is what I'm going to pick uh, this game. And we'll see just how foolish that seems uh, in just a few short days. So. I will be able to do post game uh, this time. So at least I will be there. Hopefully we'll get a few of the fellas and maybe Dana to hop on. Um, we will see you all then. And until then, please give the show a like, please click subscribe and the bell and go to patreon.com slash Hawkblogger and join up to the community right away. We will see you soon enough. Take care, go Hawks and go Mariners. Come on, boys, bring it home. Get plowed for Stroud. <laughs>